morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another edition of Get Real with Coach Dave Taylor on the second day of December, 2016. Wish happy birthday to my boy, Charlie Fife. Turns 28 physically, 15 mentally. But it was another great week of sports. We'll get into this a little bit. We'll talk a little bit more basketball today. I think uh, it's gotten on my nerves. Got a couple of great emails to talk about. Uh, we have some NFL action to preview, some college football action to preview. We'll talk about the uh, playoff selection. Then we'll start with that. Um, went and saw a preview last night of Miss Sloan uh, with Chastain, I think is her name. Is it Jessica Chastain? I don't know. It, it was really pretty good, and it is uh, it deals with politics and uh, the lobbyists and things like that. But uh, I I thought it was pretty good, so double thumbs up on that. Uh, to me, a lot about TV shows and things. Uh, you know what shows I like, what shows I don't like. I talked about pitch a little bit. I told you I thought that was pretty good. Uh, all things considered, I mean, a female pitcher and all that. I mean, I'm not a real big fan of that stuff. But they've done a pretty good job of making it realistic, as realistic as it can be. And I think if a, if a woman was to make the Major League Baseball ranks, it would be as a pitcher. I, I don't think it would be as a hitter or an everyday player. I think it would be as a pitcher. and She would have a unique pitch. So they, they definitely got some consultation from somebody because – she apparently has this like screwball type pitch and, you know, she can throw in the mid eighties. And I think that's kind of realistic. I, I think that's the way it would be if a woman was to make it to the major leagues. So again, I, I think that show's done pretty well. I like the way they've, uh, I like the way they've made it realistic. And I've been getting some questions on email and I, I posed them to, uh, some of my friends too on on just some some good topics we'll talk about. But you know, as far as like that Westworld show, someone asked me about that on HBO. I've been watching it. Nah, I'm not too into it. I mean, it's not my thing. Walking Dead has been pretty good. I'm not a huge Walking Dead guy, but but this year has been pretty good because that guy that came on, he's pretty intense. Uh, I have no problem with him. Someone asked me about the good behavior on TNT. Eh. You know, it's okay. Nothing I'm going to write home about. South Park is still at the top of the list. I mean, come on. How, how can you do better than that? So we'll talk a little bit of sports here. We'll, uh, we'll dive into everything that we can. I want to make sure I'm looking at some of the emails I'm looking at here. We, we, we seem to get the emails all the way up to the minute. So someone is listening live and asking me questions. And we definitely have uh, <clears throat> we have some topics to discuss. Let's start with football, though. Let's, let's start with what I think is probably the, the number one sports story in, uh, in the United States, and that is college football. And I'm hearing people like these executives within the college football ranks you know, they'll come out and they'll be, you know, uh, people are talking about expanding the playoff brackets. That's ridiculous. There's no need. That's impossible. Blah, 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 blah. Well, what are you, what are you thinking about? I mean, I'm surprised there's not more 
of these talking heads at ESPN that aren't coming out and talking about the obvious fact that the system is massively broken. That the system is a joke. I don't know why more people are not doing it. You know why? Well, actually, I think I do know why. Because of the politically correct world we live in and the political machine that is ESPN, there is no more of a political correctness network in the country than ESPN. ESPN got rid of Kurt Schilling. They got rid of Bill Simmons. They'll get rid of anybody that forces an opinion. I believe Bill Simmons was fired because he criticized Goodell. And ESPN has a a contract with uh, the NFL, so you cannot criticize the NFL. You just can't say anything political on ESPN unless you're leaning left. Then you can say all you want. And that's why ESPN is really, it's PS. But it's a monopoly. And my point is, the one thing you should look at in life, the one thing in life, in my opinion, but it is the most political form of life because you, you see it at every level. You sports, political Oh, this coach doesn't like this this guy, so his kid can't make the team. Or in high school sports, it's political because you've got school boards and you've got principals and you got to make sure the parents are happy. And if this parent has a lot of money, then he's going to have more influence, so his kid's going to play. Politics is just rampant within sports. The one place you should go where there's no politics and no racism is sports, but there's more of those things in sports than anywhere else except for politics, probably. I mean, but it it is brutal. So the reason why you're not going to see a lot of people, uh, the talking heads, criticize the college football playoff program is because of the politics. They don't want to upset the powers that be. They're not going to give you an honest opinion. They're not going to tell you what they really think because they'll get fired. So it's all BS. It's all just slanted because there's no other explanation as to how any moron, anybody with an IQ above seven, can't see that this college football playoff system is stupid. I mean, you really have to be an idiot. You have to be a dumb human being. You have to be a non-sports fan. You have to be stupid to not see what I see. I mean, how dumb are you? You have four teams going to the playoffs. Why four? I'm not asking for 16. That'd be too many. But who, who, who thought four was the right answer? It's just stupid. It really is. Just morons. God, just get me in a room with those guys. Put me on a national broadcast network and let me debate one of these clowns. And let me hear what their reasons are. And then you hear Nick Saban go on. And what are you talking about the playoffs? I don't know anybody cares about. No one's talking about the ball game. No one's talking about the playoffs. What do you think, you idiot? Why do you get paid so much money, Saban, because of the playoff system, because of national championships? Shut up with your holier-than-now attitude. Just shut up. Who are you, Calipari? I love what Calipari does. I read something on, I think it was ESPN Magazine. ESPN has a monopoly on everything. But they, are, they have no honest opinions. That's why there's certain people I like, like Barkley, I like certain people that are just honest, even if they're wrong. Stephen A. Smith is kind of an idiot. But he's probably the most opinionated guy on ESPN, and he's given that for him because of his show. But Herm Edwards is the best football guy they have because he at least has some type of 
individual personality where he will talk about things in an honest way. He's not going to be such a kiss-ass like everyone else, like Chris Berman. But I don't, I don't know how you can have that broadcast. I don't know how you can have that selection show and not somebody just not say, oh, hold on now, does anybody agree with me that we should just go to eight teams? Well, if we did that, we wouldn't have these, these shows then. Oh, yeah, good point. Because if I was on that program, say, uh, I don't know, they have me on there instead of – there's a couple guys that are pointless on that program on the ESPN selection show. Galloway's okay. He's got an attitude. I like that a little bit. But a couple of the other guys, they, they can go. I don't know who they are. But Galloway would give his little rant, and they'd go to me. Dave, what are your thoughts? Well, does, I just think this is a stupid thing. Obviously, uh, ESPN needs to make money, and they need to have this show, and there needs to be drama, and there needs to be discussion, because it's going to give you better ratings, and it's going to make for better, better discussions. But the powers that be are just asinine and stupid and idiots. Why does there have to be a four- to five-week break in between games in college football? What is the point? was uh, exams week. But there's usually no exams over the Christmas holiday. How come people seem to do it in the NCAA tournament? They seem to be able to go for the tournaments are Thursdays and Fridays. That means they have to travel on a Tuesday. They seem to be able to take weeks off at a time there. I think that this is just morons trying to make money and make excuses the system is so simple. I've talked about this last week, and I got so many great emails on it. And I got emails from people who are lifelong football fans saying, Dave, you're right. It just makes so much sense. Yeah, I know I'm right. Take the winner of each conference championship game of the five power conferences, and then you have three wild cards. It's just not complicated. I mean, it's that simple. Cards can have, You can have your controversy there because you got to pick three wild cards, right? So you, you could say – you could turn that into some dramatic discussion – but maybe it's not as much drama. So what would the program be? What would the playoff system be? Well, Alabama probably wins their conference, right? Clemson wins their conference. Let's say Washington wins their conference. Let's say Oklahoma wins their conference. Okay. And then I, I'm assuming Wisconsin. Okay, there's your five teams. So now you got to pick three at-large teams. Well... I think everybody would agree, Ohio State, Michigan team. So there's your drama. Who would be that eighth team? Well, would you pick Penn State, the loser of the Big Ten? Would you pick a team that lost, like Florida, that lost to Alabama? No. Would you pick Virginia Tech? No. They lose to Clemson. Would you pick Colorado? No. I wouldn't. Would you pick Penn State if they lost? No. I might pick Penn State if they lost close. So it would come down to a Penn State if they lost a close game, USC and Louisville, most likely. And Louisville has three losses. Penn State would have three losses. USC would have three losses. And I think I would pick USC. So those are your eight teams. Pretty good, don't you think? And here's how I would rank them. Alabama won. Because just because you won your conference championship doesn't mean you get a higher ranking. Just means you made the playoffs. 
just like in the NCAA tournament. So I go Ohio, Ohio State two. I'd probably go Clemson three, Michigan four, Washington five, Oklahoma six, and uh, I'd probably go – I'd probably put USC at seven. I think, and maybe Washington 8, because USC beat Washington. So Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, right? Michigan, there's your top four. And then you can pick your next four. Wisconsin, I'm sorry, I think I made a mistake on that. So there's your four. I should probably write this down because I'm not intelligent. It's the way it is now. At five, I go... Uh, you, you know, again, you got that. I'd probably put Oklahoma five. I'm assuming they win and beat Oklahoma State, by the way. And then six, maybe I go USC. Because they beat Washington at Washington. Seven, I put Washington. Eight, I put Wisconsin. There you go. There's my seeds. And then I play the first round game. I give them a week off. I go December 10th. Is that the date? I don't even know. Yeah, December 10th. First round of those playoffs. So now we're down to four. Next weekend, Final Four. December 17th, Final Four. Then I give them two weeks off, National Championship game, December 31. How great would that be? New Year's Eve. Talk about New Year's Eve. Now, you probably wouldn't do it because everyone's partying on New Year's Eve, so let's not be stupid idiots here. Maybe you turn that into New Year's. Maybe you go January 2nd. And you still have your New Year's Day bowl games. You still have the games where you're going to have a Penn State and a Colorado and Oklahoma State. You're going to have Florida State. You're going to have Louisville, Auburn, Florida. You have West Virginia. You can put Western Michigan as the feel-good story. You got Navy and Stanford and Utah and LSU and Tennessee and Virginia Tech and Houston and Pittsburgh. I mean, you can throw all those teams out there, and they can still play those stupid, meaningless bowl games, and everybody's happy. You can have your bowl games in the midweek area. You can have a bowl game on a Tuesday or a Wednesday or a Monday. You can still fill all the slots. End of discussion. No drama. Nobody's cheated. Nobody's screwed. Everybody's happy. End of discussion. Nobody complaining. Who would have the biggest complaint in that scenario? The team that might have the biggest complaints would be Louisville and maybe if Penn State lost. But right now, if it ends with everybody winning, Michigan's going to have a massive complaint. Let me tell you something right now. Here's the worst scenario for the selection committee. The selection committee needs Wisconsin to win. They, if Wisconsin wins, uh, everything's kind of good. Everything kind of takes care of itself. If Wisconsin wins and everyone else wins, all the top four seeds, then it's all good. Selection committee gets away with it. Because what's going to be your only real drama is that Michigan didn't get it. But let me tell you what I would say against Michigan. No road games of significance outside of Rutgers. They played two road games here late. Lost them both. I don't care if they were close or not. The bottom line is they, they, they have not played anybody outside of their state until the end. And they got beat. So I don't want to hear you whine at me. Ohio State went into Oklahoma and smashed them. You can say what you want about they got lucky in that game, whatever you want. They went at Oklahoma. That alone is better than anything Michigan has on their resume. 
No, yes, they played Bowling Green and Tulsa and Rutgers. The Rutgers is a league game. So Ohio State's got that huge win on their resume, especially if Oklahoma wins. Now, if Penn State wins, there's going to be some discussion now. Because if Penn State, especially if Penn State smashes Wisconsin, that is the worst-case scenario for the selection committee. If Penn State smashes Wisconsin, like 31-7, now we got problems. Because then they're going to say, how did Ohio State get in and we beat them? And then Ohio State beat beat, uh, Wisconsin, but not by as much as we did. And we won the conference and we won the conference championship and we beat Ohio State and you're not putting us in and you're going to put Ohio State in. There's, there's There's your argument. And if Alabama wins, they're in. Even if they lose, they're in. And then Clemson wins and Washington wins. Now, now you got problems. What is the selection committee going to do if Washington blows out Colorado, Clemson blows out Virginia Tech, Alabama blows out Florida, and Penn State blows out Wisconsin? What are you going to do now? Do you leave Ohio State in and Penn State out? Do you take Washington out? Man, I don't know. If it were me, I'd put Penn State in and take Ohio State out. Hey, that's just reality. You lost that game. And if it's going to come down to those two teams, I'm going head-to-head. And then you can't give me this line about, well, you beat them at home. Okay, then if that's the case, then uh, the Michigan win shouldn't count. Bottom line is you got beat. The, the selection committee is, is sitting at the edge of their seat just hoping. I think they might even be able to get away with it if Penn State barely wins. The game. That's the game. That's the game that that, that folds over on everything. Then I have people asking me questions on who I like in these matchups. Okay, well, I'll tell you. Today, by the way, or tonight, we have Colorado and Washington. That's a big game. That's a playoff game. Now, if Colorado blows out Washington, they got something to say. But if, if Washington loses, Michigan's in. That's the way I feel. But now, imagine the scenario where Washington loses and Penn State blows out Wisconsin. Are you going to have Penn State, Washington? I mean, Penn State not make it over Michigan and Ohio State? And you can't have three Big Ten teams in there. Tomorrow, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State starts everything off at 1230. It's kind of an insignificant game in my world. I don't see any way Oklahoma gets in unless everyone loses in front of them. Then you have Alabama, Florida State, which I consider that to be an insignificant game as well. I think even if Alabama loses, they're in. And that should be a massive blowout. Then you have Baylor, West Virginia. Insignificant. Then we slide to the big time. Eight o'clock. You have Clemson, Virginia Tech, which should be a blowout. But Virginia Tech, 
I, I think that's the upset game for me. And someone asked me what game do I think would be the upset game. I think that's the game I would be paying attention to. I don't believe in Clemson. They, they should have lost at least twice. They lost once. They, lost, they should have lost another game to NC State, but the kicker's a coward. So they should have lost two. Clemson has moments where they don't get it done. And Virginia Tech's defense is solid. I don't think Virginia Tech's very good. I think that, that Clemson has a, uh, a tendency to not, to not get it done. That's at 8 o'clock on ABC. And then at 8 o'clock on Fox, the most important game for the committee, and that's Wisconsin-Penn State. If you're Ohio State and if you're Michigan, you need Wisconsin to blow them out. I do think Wisconsin wins, but not by much. I, I, I don't feel comfortable about it. You're Michigan, and if you're that selection committee, Especially if you're Ohio State, you need Wisconsin to blow them out. Michigan needs one other of those four teams to lose, except Alabama. They, they need one of those other three teams to lose. Well, not three because Ohio State's not playing. They need Washington and or Clemson to lose. So we're really not going to know a lot until 8 o'clock games are really going to matter unless you are I mean I, I don't think any of the games matter because I don't care what Alabama does they're probably in and I really don't care what Oklahoma does I don't think they're in I don't think Oklahoma leapfrogs Michigan and Ohio State who are not playing they're locked in Alabama's locked in so if you're looking at Oklahoma they would need Washington and Clemson to lose, and then they would have to blow out Oklahoma State, and then they would pray that Wisconsin blows out Penn State. Now, Wisconsin's ranked ahead of Oklahoma, and then you would hope that the committee's not going to put three Big Ten teams in there, and they go with Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan, and Oklahoma, which means Oklahoma's leapfrogging, you know, Wisconsin, Penn State, which wouldn't be hard because one of those teams is going to lose. See, what you're doing there is you're saying that Oklahoma's going to leapfrog Wisconsin because they don't want three Big Ten teams in there. So that's the way they get in. Not impossible. But if Oklahoma barely beats Oklahoma State, I don't think there's any way Oklahoma State gets in. But I've seen crazier things. So there you go. There's college football. The idiots that run the show are just stupid. And by the way, the way I have it, those, those eight teams getting in, You want to talk about ratings boost. You want to talk about big money. Those four games are huge money. You can play them all on a Saturday or or two on a Friday, two on a Saturday, one on a Friday night, three on Saturday. You would just get massive ratings. You would get better ratings than the NCAA tournament. Basketball. You would just get – you'd probably get better ratings than the Super Bowl. And you could turn those into bowl games. You would just get – Right now, you watch the bowl games this year. Very few are packed. Most are about 30% capacity. Morons. Oh, well, what are you going to do? Now we'll dive over to the NFL. And uh, I thought the Vikings were going to be pretty good. They're hideous. They can't score. To me, the, 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 the Dallas Cowboys are the best team in football especially with the Gronkowski injury. But 
I don't have a lot of confidence in rookies in playoffs. If they're going to play a first-round home playoff game, that's the way it's looking. And to me, if I'm going to project forward, their, their first-round playoff game will be a home game. And it, it'll probably be against a team that they should be able to pound pretty good. The way it looks now, I mean, Seattle's pretty much locked to win. And I think Seattle's locked as the number two seed. It's between Seattle, Atlanta, and Detroit. I think Seattle's going to get that number two seed. So you're not going to face them until the championship game. Seattle's schedule, though, they have the Panthers at home, which is going to be tough, at the Packers. And then you go Rams, Cardinals, 49ers. This week is pretty, it's pretty big for them. You know, I like Detroit. That's a team I'm rooting for, but their schedule. At the Saints, which is not going to be easy. In fact, I think the Saints win it. Bears at home, they win. And then at Giants, at Cowboys, and then Packers. Now, they have to hope that maybe those teams are out of it. Packers at home. They got to hope that the Cowboys maybe clinched it so they don't bring everybody on that game and they don't play everybody in, in case of guys getting hurt. But usually teams don't rest their players two weeks out. But, you know, if I'm looking at other teams, I I just don't have the confidence in Detroit that I wished I had. I don't like Minnesota at all. I think the team I'd be worried about is Green Bay. Green Bay is two games back. Texas at home should be a win. Seattle at home could be a win. At the Bears, win. Vikings at home, win. At the Lions. I don't see Green Bay losing again. Unless it's against Seattle at home. I I don't think they're going to lose to the Vikings at home. I don't think they're going to lose at the Lions either. I think they're going to be feeling pretty good. I think it's going to come down to that last game. And right now I'd have to pick Green Bay to win that division. But I don't think they're going to get a bye. So if I'm projecting ahead, it's going to be Dallas, Green Bay, Atlanta, barely. Watch out for Tampa. And then Seattle. So then your wild card game is probably going to be something like Giants at Green Bay. And then you're looking at who's going to be your second wild card. You know, for me, it's probably going to be the Redskins. I mean, that's my call. Then you're looking at like Redskins at Falcons. The team I would not want to play if I was the Cowboys would probably be the Giants. Dominating. They're not a dominating team. Their defense can be scored on. And you got a rookie, a quarterback, and you put the good blitzes in there, and you could really put some pressure on them. There's no dominant team in the NFL. That's my point, I guess. Now, with the Gronkowski injury, you know, you're hoping that if you're a New England fan that they're going to get home field advantage, but they're tied with the Raiders right now. I don't see the Raiders getting home field advantage throughout, but they've got the Bills at home. But then they go at Chiefs, at Chargers. Those are going to be hard games. I think the Chargers beat them in San Diego. Colts at home, they should win, and then at the Broncos. That's not an easy schedule, man. That's a tough schedule. New England, on the other hand, Rams at home, that's hideous. At the Broncos is going to be tough. Jets at home, at the Dolphins, they should win. 
Gronkowski might not be back until the ASC championship game. Unbelievable. You know, as great as he is, he gets hurt a lot. A lot. Maybe he should relax on his uh, off-season antics. Because whatever he's doing in the off-season ain't working. Because he is always hurting. But another example last night of bad refereeing. And another example, again, of morons that run these leagues. And people make these things controversial. It's not very difficult. It's not hard. Here's what you do in the offseason. Coaches can now challenge penalties. Boom. Done. End of discussion. Done. And you can change. You can challenge those penalties at any point, meaning at the last minute, first minute, whatever. You don't get more challenges. You still get the same amount of challenges. You get three. If you want to use that challenge on a catch, no catch, or a fumble, no fumble, if you want to do that on an inbounds, out of bounds, or if you want to do that on a face mask, you can do that. And if you lose them, you're done. I don't even think they get three. Do they? Don't they get? They just get two. So I'm not, I'm not giving them three. You get three if you get the first two right. You still get two challenges. Two. Every scoring play and turnover still still reviewed, which is a disgusting mess. Just like in basketball, every play is reviewed now. And bottom line is, uh, if you want to challenge a penalty, go for it. Now, if you're dumb enough to challenge a, a, a offsides or something that's really easy to catch, now, I wouldn't even know if I would challenge, you know, pass interference too often. But I would. If it was obvious, like we've seen a few this year. But then if you're in Minnesota, you challenge that face mask. There's no disputing that fact. I would never challenge a hold or a non-hold. Because you can call that subjective. So if you want to, you can even say we're not going to challenge holding calls. You can't challenge holding calls. But you can challenge everything else. That was an obvious penalty. But Minnesota just can't score. I don't know why you just don't go two-minute offense the whole game. And just, you know, I don't know why NFL teams don't do that. And if I got a running play on second down, let's say, and and you're short of the first down by like a a foot, and it's third and inches, I would – I would just sprint to the line of scrimmage and just do a quarterback sneak. And then that way you could just do hurry up offense, defenses and set. I just don't know why some of these things aren't done more. Because coaches are, are too conservative, man. Pretty good. I think every game is significant. And the NFL is getting better week to week. I think next week we have a really good Thursday game too. I think it's Raiders and Chiefs. What's going on with the NFL? He gave us good Thursday night games. That's, that's a shocker. But this week, Atlanta and, and uh, Kansas City, that's a huge game. That's a huge game in Atlanta. And I think Atlanta wins. I, I, I don't believe in Kansas City. I mean, they have to play a perfect game to win. They are just not explosive. Although that little guy's pretty good. Detroit and New Orleans, that's a playoff game. I mean, New Orleans has to win. And so is Detroit. Here's a nasty game. Rams at Patriots. I take the Patriots and I give up 70. Denver at Jacksonville. Denver has to win. And Jacksonville's not easy, even though they've only got two wins. Houston at Green Bay. Both those teams technically have to win. That's a horrible division that, that, that Houston is in. My Lord. That's the worst division in football, probably. Top to bottom. 
Like Houston's only uh, a game ahead of Tennessee. Basically, half the game, actually, and a game ahead of, of Indianapolis. Houston has nothing locked up, and they have to win that game. And that's at Green Bay. They're not going to win that game, I don't think. Philly at Cincinnati, their season's over. Cincinnati season is over. That game's not great, but Philly has to win. Miami at Baltimore. Miami wants to be significant. They have to win that game. Ravens tied for first. Great game. Here's a crap game. This is the worst game of the weekend. Niners-Bears. Okay. Move on. Buffalo has to win to stay alive. Raiders have to win. That's a great game. Giants at Pittsburgh. Both teams have to win. Great game. Redskins at Arizona. I mean, Arizona's pretty much done. Redskins have to win because they're looking at the wild card spot. Tampa at San Diego. Tampa's playing for a division. San Diego is not, but they are a tough team. And I would never want to play Phillip Rivers. And then you go to the night game. Carolina at Seattle. Carolina's on life support, but they're not out of it. Trust me. They go on a winning streak, which they are very capable of. I don't believe, I, I'm not a big Cam Newton guy, obviously. But if they win this Sunday, then they have Chargers at home, at Redskins, Falcons at home, Buccaneers. They, they have the two teams ahead of them one more time. I mean, they, they, the season's not over, but they have to win this game. Then Monday night, we have Indy and New York Jets, but Indy has to win. So great week. Speaking of that, what's the most expensive seat out there? There's no $200 seats, but we're close. 198 bucks to see the Rams at New England. That's just a typical New England thing. 200 bucks to watch the Rams? Are you kidding me? 184 bucks in Seattle because those teams are good and they sell out. $159 ticket. These are the cheapest seats you can get. $159 in Pittsburgh. 147 at Raiderland. That's kind of nice. What's the cheapest seat? Well, you can go watch the Falcons play against Kansas City, which is a great game, for 29 bucks. Philly at Cincinnati, 26 bucks. Redskins at Arizona, 35 bucks. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's uh, not bad. Most seats available. You got 3,700 in Atlanta. I don't think Atlanta's a very good sports town. I really don't. They have too many teams. Baseball, basketball, football. I mean, they they got to get they they got to get rid of them. I, I just don't like Atlanta as a sports town. Get rid of the Hawks. And I don't think they're a good sports town at all. I don't care what you say to me. And they're having a great year. And uh, thirty-seven hundred seats left at twenty-nine bucks a pop. Come on. 3,500 seats left in San Diego. Okay, I can see that. 200 seats in Arizona. Okay, I can see that. Arizona's not having a good year. 2,500 in Chicago. See that. 2,600 in Cincinnati. See that. Like, the teams that have the most tickets available are usually the bad teams. Then you got Atlanta. There's 9,000 seats available for the Jets. And you can get a Jets ticket right now for Monday night for 9 bucks. I might, I might actually do that. This is going to be a great week in the NFL. And we're going to know a lot after this week. This is week 13. I mean, we only have four more weeks after this. So we're going to start talking massive playoff scenarios after this week. There's a lot of games of massive value. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a great NFL weekend. 
basketball games. I went to UConn's game, went to this Fairfield game out here. It's a low D1. I'm kind of amazed how bad the game has gotten. I don't think the coaching is very good. I think there's a lot of bad mistakes made, and I don't think the execution is very good. Screens aren't set very well. It'll be interesting. Uh, we have we had some pretty good games this week. I like Indiana. I like their energy. I like their offense. I like them winning at home. I thought they'd beat Carolina at home. Carolina, I like, but not as much as I originally thought because they are an inside-out team. I don't know if you can win that way anymore. I hope so. I root for them because I want I want the power player to be relevant again. That was a good game. Duke is just Duke is winning games without three of their top guys. Pretty impressive. No one's talking about that. Uh, how about the Maine's men's basketball team will wear rainbow-themed warm-up shirts before its game Saturday against Duke? In a way to protest North Carolina's controversial House Bill 2 law, which prevents transgender people from using a bathroom of their identity rather than the gender on their birth certificate. <laughs> Oy vey. Good job, Maine. What war are we living in? If I ever get stuck in any kind of trouble, I'm, I'm always going to say, hey, I, I self-identify as a dog, or I self-identify as a woman, or I self-identify as uh, as a Russian. I, I, hey, you can't you, you can't prejudice me. I, I, I self-identify as a dog. Fun of me here. That's prejudice. Good job, Maine. I'm sure that'll make a difference. Jeez. Um, I like the way at Indiana they had that team come back, and they're all hoping that Bobby Knight would come back. It was it was kind of a fun atmosphere. And I guess Isaiah Thomas held up a uh, crying Jordan head during the Indiana's win. Bobby Knight did not return for that. Bobby Knight's got a man up, man. I know he's upset he got fired. I, I know. Get over it, man. Just man up, dude. I thought that was kind of funny that that Isaiah held that head up. And, you know, they obviously have a history. Hey, Isaiah Thomas, you cannot – I'm going to tell you again. In all the years of me watching basketball, and I'm, a, I'm as big a basketball expert as you can find, I don't care what you say. You can put anybody you want on, the, on TV that you, that you like. I mean, of course, the Phil Jacksons of the world are, are smarter. They've been around longer. They've seen more. I get that. But I'm, I'm up there with most. I will tell you, the greatest single performance I've ever seen in a basketball game wasn't Michael Jordan's 63. It wasn't Kobe's 80. I didn't see Wilt's 100, but I don't care about that either. The best performance I ever saw 
in my lifetime on the basketball court individually was Isaiah Thomas in game six of the 1988 finals. And it's not even close. There's no performance by Magic, Michael, Larry. There's no performance. Don't give me Willis Reed. There's no performance in the history of the game that comes close to that one. None. None. When you bust your ankle like that, and I've played the game, I know what that's like. You pop an ankle like that, and you continue to play, and not just continue to play, being guarded by the NBA's best defensive guard, the guy that Michael Jordan said was the best defender, that Larry Bird said was the best defender. I don't know if, I don't know if Michael said it. Michael said he was very good. Larry Bird said it. He was defensive player of the year kind of guy. Michael Cooper in game six, and it wasn't just Cooper. It was everybody trying to help. And that dude's running around on one leg, and it wasn't fake. It wasn't exaggerated. It wasn't one of these sissy injuries that a lot of these guys play through now where they're not really hurt. They just act like it. You saw the replay. He popped that thing. There's no doubt about it. And that dude came out and lit it up. I mean, it was, it was unbelievable. And I'm a Laker guy. And I will tell you this. They got screwed in that series. The, 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 this were the better team. There were some shaky calls. The Lambeer foul on Kareem was one of them. But that performance by Isaiah Thomas, the best single performance in the history of the NBA. Don't talk to me about Isaiah Thomas being overrated. Don't be that stupid. Tell you what, man. That that I watch that game every once in a while, and I'm still amazed. I, I and maybe it's because I played the game and I know what it's like to have that kind of an ankle injury. He's running around, gimping around, and by the way, he had to play defense too. And then he had to come back in Game Seven, which would have probably been harder to do. Man. That, that was brutal. So Isaiah, in my world, can say whatever he wants. You can't say that he has no right to say what he wants to say or no right to criticize. He might have been a bad coach or a bad GM. I'm just talking about his playing ability. That dude was a beast. Isaiah Thomas playing right now would have just been out of control dominant. But who wouldn't have been? Man. College basketball schedule, Thursdays and Fridays always suck. They're not very good. Nothing on tonight that's really worth watching. But tomorrow we got a doozy, which I think will be a blowout. UCLA at Kentucky, 1230. UCLA has played nobody. And they're going into Kentucky. This is their first game of the year. Oh, wait, hold on, my bad. They beat Pacific. And then they beat Cal State Northridge. Yeah. Oh, they beat University of San Diego. They beat Long Beach State, and they beat Portland. Oh, yeah, they beat Nebraska. Uh, yeah, they beat Texas A&M, and then they beat UC Riverside. Okay. Uh, this, this could be this will be, a, this will be a good barometer how good UCLA really is. If UCLA can lose by single digits, that, that's, that's a massive upset. 
I think that's going to be a 25-point game at half. Not because UCLA's not good, but because UCLA's not prepared. It's one thing to play UC Riverside at home. It, it, that, it's a whole other thing playing Kentucky at Kentucky. Especially when you beat them last year, and you know Kentucky's not going to be in a good mood. Even though there's different players. Other good games, you have Oklahoma, Wisconsin, which I like, but that's on the Big Ten Network at one. West Virginia at Virginia, that's going to be a good game. That's on Watch ESPN. Because, you know, you got college football going on, so nobody gives a damn about college basketball. Kansas should be decent. That's the ESPN at 3 o'clock, 3.30. That's decent. A good game, Xavier at Baylor, 3.30 on ESPN, too. That's a good game. Gonzaga at Arizona on ESPN. Saturday is a great day, man. Too bad I won't be home because I'm coaching all over the universe. Pretty good games. I mean, games I, I want to watch, I have to record. Gonzaga, Arizona is a great game. 5.30 ESPN. The 3 o'clock game on ESPN is good. Xavier Baylor, two top ten teams. That's on ESPN, too, by the way. ESPN has Stanford, Kansas at three. So there's good college basketball on Saturday. And there used to be good games on Sundays, just not while the season is still going on for college football and and the NFL. So so Sunday night games will be big in about February, March. those Those are great games. And now we dive into the world of the National Basketball Association. And I got some points to make here. First of all, TNT's uh, coverage with the, the, the Kevin Garnett thing's got to go. Kevin Garnett's embarrassing himself right now. He, he sounds like an idiot and he looks like an idiot in these games. I mean, in, the, in this show, what's it called? Uh, Area 21. I mean, that, 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 I don't know what TNT's doing. They're just trying to find something for Garnett to do, something for Garnett to say. They're trying to get him involved in, in some way, find a way to get rid of him. Now, I don't know what they're going to be able to do, but they're going to have to do something. I don't think he's got a lot to say. I don't think what he says makes sense. And I can't understand half of what he's saying anyways. He just needs to shut up. So that's number one. Number two, don't anybody talk to me about Steph Curry being a top ten player in the NBA. I don't even know if I put him in the top ten. He is is a defensive liability. Much in the same way that DeAndre Jordan is an offensive liability late in games. Don't talk to me about DeAndre Jordan being a legitimate player either. He's a weakness. I got some emails, people asking me, who do I think is the top five players in the NBA, top ten players in the NBA? It's been a discussion, and I've been asking friends of mine too.
And, it, you know, it, it's always subjective. But if I had to rank the top five players in the NBA in no particular order, I mean, obviously Westbrook. Westbrook has, is averaging a triple-double in December, which has never been done except for Oscar Robertson one time. I mean, that, that's, that's enough to be said right there. He's the best player in the league, even though he's a bit of a wacko, and he's, a, he's, he's just angry. I love it, man. That dude's legit. I mean, he's got his faults, don't get me wrong. He's no Michael Jordan, but that dude, do you put him at the top of the list? I, I have to put – I know no one's going to like this. I have to put James Harden up there. When you're leading the league in assists and you're leading that team the way you're leading them, and they go into Golden State and win, James Harden's got to be in the top five right now. And everyone – nobody would have said that a year ago. I don't even know if James Harden made the uh, third-team NBA. And people say he was going to be a point guard. People were laughing. I remember having a conversation with some of my friends. I said, I don't think that's a bad idea at all, the reverse of what you had to do with Iverson. You had to get the ball out of Iverson's hands and bring a legitimate point guard in. I thought putting the point guard's responsibilities on James Harden made him play harder. He plays harder because he has more responsibility. And he was a point guard anyway. I mean, late in the game, he got the ball. He never gave it up. He's actually giving it up a lot now, i.e. lead the league in assists. Him and Westbrook, who have been criticized for years for being selfish, are both averaging double-digit assists. So there's two guys I would put in there. I put Anthony Davis in there. When you're averaging 32 points a game and 2.78 blocks a game, which leads the league, you, you got to put him in there. Then you got, you know, so that's three guys. I, I, I think are no better. You got to put LeBron in there. As much as he's, you got to put LeBron. So that's four. Kawhi Leonard, even though his stats might not say it, when you're the reigning defensive player of the year, and you can do the things he can do, i got to put him in there, too. So there's five. Now, six through ten, I think you got to probably, you got to put Durant in there, I guess. I, I, I think he's overrated, but you got to put him in there. I put DeMarcus Cousins in there, hovering around ten. Uh, who else do you got? Who else would you guys think? DeMar DeRozan in there? Do you put Chris Paul? Which I would. Damian Lillard? What about Butler? Kyrie Irving? I mean, there's some guys, man. If I'm going complete player, offense and defense... You know, I don't think I could put Steph Curry in there. I put Steph Curry in that 11 to 15 range. He killed him in the finals. Every time they switch and he guards somebody, he gets lit up. Last night, I'm watching James Harden just light him up. As soon as he switched, it's the same old stuff. They, it's the same stuff. Golden State has not changed their philosophy, and they're not going to win the championship because of it. It's a real simple way to beat them. Here's what you do. You set a screen. Whoever Curry is guarding, he sets the screen, and if they switch, ball game. They did it. Cleveland did it. Houston did it. And if they're going to play against good quality players, uh, they're going to keep doing that. And, and Steph Curry's going to foul out. He's going to be beaten up. He's going to get dominated. I also think Clay Thompson's overrated. 
I'm not a big Clay Thompson guy. He's a great shooter. He'd be great on a team where all he has to do is shoot, but he's really bad off the dribble, in my opinion. He's a good defender, but he's not the end all. He is by far and away the, the, I don't know, at least the fourth best player in the team. I put Draymond Green ahead of him. But I think Steph Curry is overrated, big time. Now, if you're going to say who's the best shooters in the league, okay. Who's the best offensive players in the league? Well, okay, maybe. But he is a defensive liability. I don't care what anybody says. Draymond Green gets on my nerves, by the way. The NBA is, is a foregone conclusion. But I'm excited about the other teams. I'm excited to watch the Knicks see how good they've gotten. I'm excited to see if Milwaukee can do anything. I'm excited to see Minnesota, even though they're, they're playing horribly. I'm excited to see Sacramento, New Orleans, Denver, Utah. I want to see some of these lower-level teams, Oklahoma City. Can Oklahoma City finish in the top four? I think the top three are pretty solid. Clippers beat Cleveland in Cleveland. And this is after losing some bad games. I'm losing three in a row to Detroit, Indiana, and the Brooklyn Nets. Then they beat Cleveland. It just tells you what the NBA is all about. The NBA, they, they really don't care about a lot of these games. So lose, lose, lose to crap teams and then beat Cleveland at Cleveland rather easily. They need to make a trade. First of all, you cannot play Jordan at the end of games. That's where Spates comes in. Second of all, you you need to go find the three men. You need to find a way to give up some talent and get Rudy Gay. You have to find a way. They need Rudy Gay. If they get Rudy Gay, I I think they, they got a chance. Now, who could they give up? I don't know what they can give up. They don't have anything. Austin Rivers is one of the worst players in the league. Paul Pierce is 100. They'd have to give up, like, Luke Mba Amute, Wesley Johnson, Bryce Johnson, the rookie, who might have a future. They'd have to give up all three of those guys and, like, three draft picks, all number ones. And maybe they can get them. But if they if they get Rudy Gay, they are now a serious contender and at least leapfrog San Antonio. But can they stay healthy? That's a team that has to rest bodies at the end of the year. Major injuries. You've got Chris Paul coming off injuries. He's getting old. You can't put in these kind of minutes. They need Rudy Gay bad. How about the Lakers? Hey, I'm a I'm admittedly a Lakers fan. And I was on record. You can go back and listen to the podcasts. I have been on record saying that I think the Lakers are going to be an exciting team and an improved team. In no way, shape, or form do I think they're going to make the playoffs. But, and they, they are going to hit a wall pretty soon. They're going to hit a wall and, and go on like a seven-game losing streak. Now, and they're young. You already got D'Angelo Russell hurt. You had Randall getting hurt. 
You know, I, I will say that Ingram has been a little bit better than I thought he would be. I still think he's overrated. He's shooting 35% from the field. He can't score. He's pencil thin. But he's a pretty good defensive player on bigger, taller guys. He, he's, he's proving something to me on the defensive end. The Lakers are, are a couple years away. And I think if you're a Laker fan, you got to be happy. Now they're going to lose. They're going to they're going to be one of the two or three worst teams in the league when it's all said and done. But that roster gives you some some form of excitement. And if you can pick up a couple big free agents in the offseason, but with Russell and Clarkson and Randall and Lou Williams and Larry Nance Jr., who I'm very high on, and Ingram. I, I think you've got a really good nucleus. Mozgov is a very serviceable center, and he has been proven to be a good signing, although he's still making too much money. And Luke Walton's proving to be a better coach than I thought he would be. I think what he's done, I think what Luke Walton has done, is he's come in and just been relaxed. He's just chill. He's just mellow. And he lets the guys go. He has revived Nick Young's career. He just His attitude is kind of like, hey, man, just go out there and shoot it. Kind of like the, the Golden State philosophy. Just go out there and shoot. Let it fly. And I'm shocked they beat the Bulls. Just shocked. I thought for sure they were going to go on a bad losing streak on this road trip. And they got blown out in New Orleans. I mean, blown out. Said, oh, boy, that's going to be a long trip. And they beat the Bulls. Now, they're going to get blown out in Toronto tonight. They're going to get blown out in Memphis. But they're, they're hanging around. They got a rough stretch. You know, then they have Utah, they have Houston. It's a rough stretch for them, but then they got a then they got a good stretch that they should do well in. You've got a Phoenix and a Knicks and the Sacramento Kings, Brooklyn, Philadelphia. You've got to win four out of those five. But I, I I'm pleasantly surprised they have a future. They're gonna end up with the third, second, third worst record in the West. They're not gonna get their first round pick, but they, they need to go out and get a couple legitimate guys to fill those roles. Lou all dang types, and just keep developing and winning. They're on their way. And people will now come to L.A. because Kobe's gone. And teams are going to want to play with for Luke Walton, and they like the young nucleus. It's going to be um, interesting. It'll be fun. Schedule, like last night ended up being pretty good games. And that's rare in the NBA. Tonight you have Cleveland at Chicago. That'll be a fun game as LeBron and, you know, Wade. And then you've got Houston at Denver. I, I think Houston coming on a back-to-back after they beat Golden State, they're primed for getting beat by a young upstart team in Denver. And nobody even knows who's on Denver's team. I mean, I don't think anybody can name who's on Denver's team. But they're not bad with, with – Emmanuel Moutier, Jameer Nelson backing him up is great. Jamal Murray from Kentucky. They've got Gary Harris. You've got Chandler. You've got Gallinari. You've got Fareed. I mean, they're not too far away either. They got pretty decent guard play. The NBA is it's it's hard to it's hard to to, to really get involved because every game is so meaningless. Sacramento at Boston, Clippers at New Orleans. After they just beat Cleveland, let's see if they go get smashed in New Orleans. I think they will. 
I think the Hornets beat them by 25. I think the Clippers have said, okay, we know we can beat the best teams. Who cares about these other games? We're not going to win the, the Pacific because Golden State's going to run away with it. Our best chance is to come in second or third. So their goal is to come in second or third. They're not going to care. They're going to get blown out in New Orleans tonight. And they're not the most mentally tough team in the, in the league either. That's a fact. Tomorrow, what game is there to pay attention to? Uh, none. I don't know if there's any game that makes me think, wow, that's a good game. Every game is a hideous mess. Let me give you an example. Brooklyn, Milwaukee. Minnesota at Charlotte, boring. Atlanta at Toronto. I think Atlanta's hideous. I don't even think Atlanta should make the playoffs. Boston at Philly. Who cares? Philly's just, just brutal. Lakers at Memphis. Blowout. Chicago at Dallas. Dallas' worst team in the league. Denver at Utah. Boring. Miami at Portland. Boring. Who cares? Phoenix at Golden State, blow up by 50. Okay, there's your typical NBA night. There you go. And Sunday, nothing else. Orlando at Detroit. New Orleans at Oklahoma City. And that's worth watching. you got two major stars. Meadow at the Knicks, Indiana at the Clippers. Man, the NBA is just brutal. Baseball is going to have to start getting some trades going pretty soon. There's a rumor that McCutcheon is, is on the trading block from, from Pittsburgh. Holy cow. That, that's, and there's a rumor now that he might be going to the Nationals. I mean, wow. I'd, I'd take him, even though he had his worst year. I, I'll take him. Cards already traded their left-handed pitcher Garcia to the Braves for three prospects. Uh, there's got to be something going on pretty soon. They signed a collective bargaining agreement, but we need to start getting some deals. The free agent pool is pretty weak. There's no real studs out there. Chubs are going to be the, the season favorites anyways. So just get used to that. I think it's Cubs and uh, Red Sox. And that's me obviously going way out on a limb. Remember the ex-running back for the USC Trojans and the New York Jets, Joe McKnight? was pretty good. Shot to death in an apparent road race incident outside New Orleans on Thursday. New Orleans is not the place you want to be. At 2.43 in the afternoon, 245 Our officers arrived on the scene and immediately began giving CPR to an individual who was shot and lying on the ground. Later identified as Joseph Joe McKnight. Ronald Gasser, 54, the suspected shooter, stayed on the scene and surrendered his weapon to authorities. He was then taken into custody in question. Mr. Gasser did, in fact, shoot Mr. McKnight. He will be releasing additional details as we get through these interviews with these witnesses. Mr. McKnight did not have a gun. Someone said that they didn't know what happened, but noted that McKnight was standing outside his vehicle when he was shot. He did not release any details, blah, 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 blah. So apparently it was road rage. I mean, you just, man, you just got to be careful, man. You can't. 
geez, what is this world coming to, man? It is just brutal. Hey, you know, I know this might be doom and gloom time for me, but there, there's bad things on the horizon. There's North Korea's looking at nukes. Iran is looking at nukes. I mean, if North Korea and, and Iran gets nukes, it, it's just brutal. I mean, they don't give a damn. They're going to let those things fly. They don't care. And we're sitting back here in this politically correct world we live in. And, and these countries do not care. And we're letting them build and letting them get away with it. I mean, it's almost like, you know, preventative maintenance here. Like, we, if you don't want to get sick, you got to prevent, you got to take care of yourself. We got we to gotta save the world by, by eliminating these people before it's too late. I'm telling you right now, man. If, 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 they're, they're, if, they, if these guys get the nukes, <laughs> watch out. Just watch out. All right, that's all I got. Should be a good weekend in sports. You should have great football weekend, great football Saturday, great football Sunday. Should be a great sports weekend. We'll see where everything ends up. But enjoy the weekend, everybody. Enjoy your football. It's the last great weekend in college football before we go to playoffs. Bell's going to be great. NBA is going to be its typical self. Great college basketball Saturday. So enjoy your weekend. Follow me on iTunes, or you can subscribe to the podcast in iTunes. Get real with Coach Dave Taylor. Keep sending me the emails. Got great emails this week. Great topics, great discussions. Coach Dave Taylor at yahoo.com. And follow me on Twitter at Coach Dave Taylor. Have a great weekend. Be safe. You know, that road rage thing just makes me sick. So be careful on the road, man. Just be careful on the road. Don't drink and drive. Don't text and drive. So have a good weekend. Be smart. Be safe. Be a role model. Make a difference in someone's life. I'll leave you with the song off the website, YoBigBro.com. Great music from Mr. Corey Heights. Music that goes under the radar, that's where you go. I'll leave you with the song by Aloe Black, the world-famous one. The man, because you are the man. We'll leave you with that. Enjoy the music. Enjoy your weekend. Be safe. We'll talk to you on Monday. Peace. Well, you can tell everybody. Yeah, you can tell everybody. Go ahead and tell everybody. I'm the man, I'm the man, I'm the man. Yes, I am, yes, I am, yes, I am. I'm the man, I'm the man, I'm the man. I believe every lie that I ever told. Paid for every heart that I ever stole. I played my cards and I didn't fall. Well, it ain't that hard when you got sold. This is my world. Somewhere I heard that life is a test. I've been through the worst, but I still get my best. God made my mold different from the rest. 